This is the Wild Wellness Podcast, and if it's your first time tuning in, I'm Jenny, a fitness coach teaching movement that's part cyclical, seasonal, sweaty, and soulful. I'm also a student of nature. I work with essential oils, teaching others how to use these plant allies for physical and emotional well-being. Wild is not only about our connection to nature, but it also stands for women into living their dreams because I believe we can live this one wild life without sacrificing our well-being. So thanks for being here. Now here's the Wild Wellness Podcast. Okay, my friend, in this episode, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Claire on the Pelvicpreneur podcast on what fitness professionals need to know about working with female clients. I get into why and how my fitness approach is different and what trainers and really all women who work out need to understand about their hormones in relation to workout plans. We talk about depression and overtraining, how to progress clients, specifically in strength training with cyclical planning in mind. I also talk about my top three tips to move more in sync with your cycle and what to do when your clients show up tired and how personal trainers, yoga teachers, and Pilates instructors can organize their own time and manage their energy to show up better for their clients. I think this is just such an important topic, and if you've been around for a while, you know that I share a lot about how you can work out in sync with your cyclical nature, but I just felt that it was a much-needed conversation to share about how fitness professionals can do this with their clients and how they can implement it as well. I think my audience are going to love you, actually, because I have quite a lot of what I would call natural movement nerds in my audience. Mm, (laughs) So we like to get out in nature and uh, enjoy a good walk and that sort of thing. So how did you get into specializing in helping women sweat in sync with their cycle and nature? Do you have like a bit of a journey that you could share with us then? It all started in nature for me too. No. <laughs> I Nature has been my guide really to this concept of wild wellness. I grew up on a farm to start and I really think that anchored a lot of connections for me and lessons, but I also spent years in my younger years really fighting my body with an eating disorder. And it wasn't until nature sort of nudged me back to um, understanding food really comes in two forms. It either comes in real nourishing food or it comes in processed and polluted food. And it was kind of pushing away the confusing diets and the food dogma and things like that, that really helped me to recover from that. And then I also spent a lot of years as I was pursuing my degrees in exercise science and sports psychology and starting my work as a personal trainer, spending a lot of time really going too fast and too hard myself. And I really had this belief that more, whether that be in school, in running, in my training myself, in business and life, doing more made me successful. And it was sort of like that quote unquote, good girl, like that seemed to equate with being busy and productive. And that was a good girl type of thing to do was be busy, be productive, be successful, those kind of things. And what that led me to was adrenal issues and hormone imbalance and not understanding how to work with cycles and rhythms. And uh, it was really a wake up call when I had major fatigue and it was really affecting me physically and emotionally, and it was affecting every aspect of my life. So Nature nudged me again at that point because it was like this lesson that, hey, life isn't a sprint, it's a cycle. And if I apply that to everything, 
Mm. It's really so much more fulfilling. And so now I've decided to nourish my body with real food, work with plants as medicine, and really listen to my body and notice its rhythms and look for those seasonal shifts that we can understand from nature. And my guiding mantra now is that it's not a sprint, it's a cycle (laughs) and helping other people to understand that too. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. So when did this, was there a sort of like a pinpoint, um, like a time in your life when this happened or was it kind of Yeah, the eating disorder was in my teens and early 20s. And then it really went from, I would say, my mid to late 20s when I started to have the adrenal issues pop Mm. up and a lot of those things. Of course, it's always a progression, right? But that's Mm. when I noticed it and it became apparent and that was sort of my turnaround. Yeah. And I hear that, um, you know, busy's a badge of honor type um, sort of behavior as well. It's, um, yeah, it's often sometimes ingrained in some of us as individuals, isn't it really? And it's difficult to to tune in and, and listen to our own systems. Yeah. So, oh, it's so nice to have you on the other side, you know what I mean, of this, uh, of this amazing experience. Yeah. So what makes your approach to exercising and um, working out for the female client differently? Can you tell us more about that? It's just what we were talking about and what you just said, really. It's the, that busy is a badge of honor. I think that not only infiltrates us in a lot of ways in our lives, but it also is the message that we often get through fitness culture. Um, not, not everyone and everything, of course, you know, I'm not generalizing here, but it's definitely a common thread that we could probably see throughout that we have to be careful of, or at least pay attention to who is this for? And is this the right thing for me? Because that approach is very linear. If you think about it, it's very Mm -hmm. masculine oriented. Um, Men don't have the same kind of cyclical rhythms that we do, at least in a monthly 29 day ish cycle. I mean, they of course have their own cycles and rhythms too. And different people may connect with various rhythms. So everyone has their own rhythms and cycles, but Mm. especially for women, I think it's important to understand that we do have a cycle that really provides us an anchor to guide Mm. us in how we live and how we work out. So that's where my approach has shifted. I didn't start that way, you know, in understanding the body this way in my fitness background and my studies of both my degrees, I never learned this in school. It wasn't something that came to me that way. It was through, as I just shared my own wake up moment with what's going on here. I'm exhausted and I need to figure out how to get myself healthy. And, you know, I'm eating well and exercising what's going on. A lot of us think that, oh, I'm eating well, I'm exercising. And those are sort of the check off the box things that are going well for us. And, um, we think that if we're doing those things, in other words, that maybe those are two elements of health. But to me, it really depends on your approach to those things. If you're doing them in a very driven and sort of linear fashion, they can still be um, causing issues for you and you can still maybe not be getting as much enjoyment out of them. So that's sort of in a general way how my mindset and approach differs around fitness and working with our routines and how we move our body. Mm. It's interesting actually, Jenny, because um, I've just recently recorded a podcast for this podcast here on uh, my depression story. Mm-hmm. And so mental health, you know, sort of something that I like to touch on every now and again, because I don't think, you know, us as fitness instructors 
Like we're not always like the fountain of health standing at the front of the class there. And I would say when I cast my mind back to exercising when I had mental health issues, I would say I was addicted to exercise. No question Mm. whatsoever. That's so interesting because a lot of times we might think the opposite. Like we hear a lot of messages that exercise can help mood. It can, if you get moving, it can give you energy. It can help boost your mood, things like that. But as you said, uh, it can also go the other way. And I would say I noticed the same thing. I was feeling down. I was feeling more anxious when I was overtraining, overexercising. Mm -hmm. And it was really off. In fact, one um, doctor that I did visit to get some tests done and look into things when I had no idea what was going on yet, she actually just wanted to put me on an antidepressant. And I just knew at the time that that really wasn't, that was just a bandaid. You know, it was just a a quick little symptom fix, you know, that Mm -hmm. that wasn't really the core issue. And that I had some tools, you know, to help me still with that. And I really wanted to find out, well, what's really going on here? You know, why do I feel down? (laughs) Why do I feel anxious? Why are things bothering me? And why do I feel like I can't handle things like I normally could or before this? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's something important to recognize. There's a lot of signs of overtraining, overexercising, and that's one of them with mood. Other ones that we might not even think of are weight fluctuations and things with our metabolism. You know, you might think, well, I'm exercising a lot. Like, why am I not losing weight if that's a goal that you had? And, you know, sometimes it can actually ping pong the other way and you could be hanging on to that because your body's in a very stressed state and you can have trouble sleeping. You could Mm -hmm. be having, um, you know, just trouble recovering in general. So not getting that rest that you need. And it's so important to just pay attention to what's going on and, and not uh, brush off anything as if it's not important because it's, it's also connected in some way. Mm, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you there. And I think actually just casting my mind back to when I did my personal trainer qualification a hundred years ago now, <laughs> I do think there probably was like about a 30 minute section on the signs to look out for in clients who are overtraining, but it wasn't very detailed. And I like the fact that this is sort of part of what you do and sort of part of your story. And uh, it's interesting how we've kind of both actually got something similar in common there because overtraining um, can be as bad as undertraining, if you think about it. Um, and Often, you know, when you sort of said there about your doctor wanting to prescribe um, antidepressants, you write as well, I think it's either, well, not always, it's not this clear cut, but antidepressants or have you tried exercise? And the doctor has some responsibility there to kind of actually notice whether the, I mean, they, they wouldn't without actually further questioning whether the client is already addicted to exercise. Do you sort of see what I mean? I like the way you said that. Right. Yeah. There was, there needs to be further inquiry. And if that's not coming from whoever you're consulting with, then hopefully through your own self-education, like listening to this podcast and Mm. a variety of other ways, you know, that you're looking into it on your own as well. I think that's so important. We have to be our own students and advocates for exploring these things. Mm. And I think perhaps because my audience are fitness professionals themselves, Mm. it could be a little bit of a danger here that we're not in tune with our cycle also in the sense that sometimes we almost use exercise and working out as, how can I phrase it? It's kind of like a a front 
to forget about all of the problems that we're dealing with in our personal life. I don't think we're supposed to be standing in front of an audience, um, energizing and motivating people if we don't feel like it. <laughs> but we have to put that smiley fake face on a, you know, fake smile on our face. And um, yeah, there's only so much, you know, that can actually, before it takes its toll, I guess, really. So yeah, yes. this is, uh, I, I think, I think we're, we're speaking the same language here. I was in the midst of that for sure when I was working as a personal trainer and it was during that time that I had all of that come together with, I, you know, I hit the wall with adrenal issues and hormone issues and I was exhausted and yeah, I was the trainer who was having a hard time really getting through workouts to help my clients, let alone do my own. And that was obviously a huge mm. warning sign, wake up call. But yeah, we paying attention to within our own bodies, I think is important because it's like we have to experience that first if we want to then teach, you know, it's us embodying some of these things that I'll be sharing and um, maybe trying a different approach ourselves and then being able to teach that and pass that on to others. So it comes from your own experience with it. And as you were kind of saying, if if you're not really understanding on that level for yourself, or if you're someone who tends to overtrain and overwork, then you may do that with your clients. <laughs> and mm. I could definitely raise my hand there to say mm. that that's probably what I was tending to do at times, just through not understanding this different mm. approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you know that my client base is actually pelvic floor uh, dysfunction. And I know that there are like different hormones that get released throughout the different phases of the cycle. And sometimes my pelvic floor clients actually notice a difference in their pelvic floor symptoms um, a couple of days before like the bleeding um, sort of section of their period. Um, so I'm just sort of thinking like that's one thing that I, okay, so I'm just going to take, take people back. There's a, a prolapse client that I'm working with at the moment. And she, when I first saw her for appointment one, um, she's seven months post-birth and she sort of mentioned that she couldn't explain why, but for some reason, like last week, her symptoms were worse than the previous six months and the previous like pregnancy. And I said, well, can I ask you, um, are you menstruating yet? Like post-birth? Yeah. And she said, oh yeah, I just started my period. Ding. So how interesting is that? So these are sort of questions I think actually, although it feels a bit weird to ask it, there's definitely, and I've had to get her to actually track her cycle and symptom to see if there's mm -hmm. any sort of like, you know, via a journal to see if there's any sort of connection. So that's, that's the only thing I know, but are there any other sort of problems that, you know, clients experience when they're not sort of listening to their body and then they're not particularly aligned with their menstrual cycle? You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that they may get frustrated with the fluctuations in their energy and motivation hmm. and that they wonder what's going on with me. Why is it that it seems like every few weeks I feel like unmotivated and not doing my workouts. And I mean, it sounds so obvious to me now. And that's yeah. why I'm kind of laughing because it's like, well, of course, but when I was in it, I, I had those frustrations too. Like I didn't understand, even though I did understand that, yeah, I have hormonal fluctuations and menstruation affects things. And so does the premenstrual and all that. I, I knew that, but I hadn't connected that with 
the workout piece and the fact that I could feel different in that way. So I think when we understand that we are cyclical and you understand what some of the hormones are doing, or at least just from a general level, that there's four different phases that you go through throughout the month, four major phases that you might be able to look at different patterns within each one and kind of know what to expect. But that's really helpful because otherwise you are wondering, you know, what's going on and why do I not have energy? Why am I unmotivated? And then we can beat ourselves up and get into that whole, you know, self-talk that maybe not be really true and accurate. It's just understanding it from a different angle. So, and then I just think about when we don't then take action. So maybe you don't feel like working out the same, so then you're not. And then you start to lack the confidence that you maybe had because confidence and action go hand in hand. So it becomes this cycle of like lacking confidence, lacking belief in ourselves, and then not taking action and not doing as much as we want to, whether that, you know, thinking about it from a client standpoint, you may see this pattern in your personal training clients or in your pelvic floor clients, like where they're having challenges with motivation and you might think what's well, all about their mindset and all about some other things that are going on in their life mm-hmm. and how they're feeling. But it it's so linked to the way that our body goes through these cyclical rhythms too. And of course it's seasonal and it, there can be a lot of other factors, but just to highlight this one thing that we're talking about, it's really important to be aware of it so that then you can point that out to them and they can have really a lot of peace and understanding over it and just say, Oh, okay. Because now that I have that, and now that I can pass that along to people that I'm working with, it's so, it's so much easier. You have just so much relief over that. And it's, it's like, Oh, okay. I get where I'm at. And I get that I need to do this instead this day or this week. Mm. So modification is sort of a a good, uh, good thing to have in the toolkit there by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another challenge too is on the other spectrum of that when maybe you're training too hard and doing too much because you're just trying to keep up with what the plan says that you should do and you're not modifying. So, uh, you know, it kind of, it's that message that fitness culture maybe perpetuates a lot that then we end up exhausted because, well, my plan says to do this or, you know, if you're the client on the receiving end of the plan, that's what you're thinking. And if you're the trainer on the end of the plan where you're creating it for them, then you might start to think, well, they're never able to really match this. There's always these blips, you know, what's the setback here. And if we could just create plans that did work with that cycle, then again, that would avoid those people who might have a tendency to do too much and go too hard. So it, it, it speaks to both, whether you're the person or working with the person who is like that type A driven, tends to really go for it and maybe overdo, or the person who's really struggling to be motivated and be consistent with workouts, anchoring to their cycle can help either way. And that's really what I love about it. And I actually created sort of two different paths in my courses to teach depending on where the person is, because they mm. need different things depending on whether they are um, leaning one way or the other. Mm. Can we talk about weightlifting? Is that like, you know, just sort of doing body conditioning and stuff like that? Like, um, I'm not sure that many of my listeners would do like really heavy sort of like deadlifts and that that sort of stuff necessarily with their pelvic floor clients. But say you wanted to progress someone, progress a client on and stack Mm -hmm. the weights up, you know, for one particular session, Mm -hmm. there's got to be some... Um, 
advisor, you know, advisory sort of note there about when it's appropriate to do that in a female cycle and when it's not? I know I'm yeah. going off script here, Jenny, but I know you know the answer. No, great question. I love that you, <laughs> you you asked that because that's probably what's on their minds. Like, okay, I'm getting this concept that, you know, it, the body it can do different things better during different parts of the cycle. So what what does that look like in specific mm. terms of like a weight training program? So during the first part of the cycle, let's just say day one is menstruation, the day that someone starts to bleed. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have, well, we won't go there for a sec. I was going to say, if they don't have a period, there's other things you can kind of anchor to for their cycle in terms of that. But we'll just talk about the person who maybe is menstruating and Mm -hmm. they notice that particular cycle. So day one is day one of their period. And during that first half of the cycle, so days, let's say on a, on an average 30 day cycle, which not all women have, but yeah, (laughs) let's say it's day one, day one through 15 ish. Um, your, things that are going on that are going to be advantageous for more weight training or being able to handle that are going to be higher estrogen levels. Mm -hmm. So when estrogen is on the rise, that's going to help our body be more resilient to cortisol. We're going to have the ability to recover easier. Mm -hmm. And so boosting up someone on either heavier weights or whatever volume increments you're going to increase. So whether you're increasing sets and keeping weights the same, or you're increasing reps and, you know, whatever Mm. uh, metric sets, reps, or weight, whatever one Mm. you're adjusting. um, Obviously that's going to depend on each person. And we're speaking to the people that kind of know that part and how to to do that. But yeah, that's the phase of the cycle that would be most appropriate to do that. And I will say that a lot of women may not feel like doing that in the very first few days of that cycle. So basically the first few days of their period while they're actively bleeding, Mm. because I know there's a lot of information out there that you may have seen, read, heard about the fact that, well, exercising on your period can be so helpful. It can help reduce pain and it can um, help with cramps or help with Mm. circulation and things like that. And while that may be true for some women, I really just encourage each person to listen to what their own body is saying, because yeah. it's really never been true for me, Claire. I don't know no, about you, like, but um, like, can I choose I, hibernation? Yeah. I'd like to cuddle <laughs> up at, with a heating pad and some essential oils and on my like belly and, yeah. <laughs> and some hot tea. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so, some carbs, you know, just the exception. Day eat two. more, work out less is yeah, kind of yeah. the mantra. Like, well, especially in the right before your period, I would say, but yeah, during those first few days, you know, it's not unusual for someone to not feel like doing very much. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. And if someone, you know, depending on a lot of different things that are going on, whether that be even lunar astrologically, mm-hmm. because I've, I've noticed actually when I menstruate closer to the full moon, that a lot of times I have more energy and I do feel like doing more. So mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of different factors that can influence this, which is why it's important for each person to sort of track that personally for themselves, but Mm. it, they may not feel like doing a lot. So it may not be till say like days five or six that you would want to then get into weights. And I kind of treat that part of the cycle, that phase, I call it the build phase that starts around day six and goes till about day 10, 11. And it's sort of like that inner spring that we have. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a great book out there called wild power from 
two women that really refer to these phases as inner seasons. And mm-hmm. so they refer to them as winter, spring, summer, autumn, and that phase of inner winter is menstruation. And then it's followed by inner spring. So inner spring is like this emergence phase. And I call it the build phase because your energy is building, your hormones are building. And it's the phase where you will want to start to build someone going back to your question about strength Mm -hmm. training, build someone up to maybe a a peak goal, but the peak phase is inner summer or the ovulatory phase. So what I'm talking about here, I should have mentioned the, the build phase, the inner spring, it's also the follicular phase. So this is in between menstruation and ovulation. And so that, uh, hopefully that helps answer what you were asking. It's, it's, that's the, that's the ideal part to build up to, but then during that peak phase, you're going to see some benefits there to being able to help someone maybe reach a goal that they have been going for. And it's a good time to like get some confidence boost on, okay, I I've risen up to this. I've, um, I've gotten to this point that I wanted to rather than try to have them do that during the next part of the cycle, which would be the luteal premenstrual phase where you're kind of dipping back down in Mm. your energy and progesterone's taking the rise and you're not Mm. feeling, you know, the person's not feeling as motivated or energized to do that. So yeah, it really helps to understand this. You can set people up for success and Mm. have them feel their best and, and go for things that might be important to them during those phases, because it's, it's again, going back to what we said, it's all about that confidence. And then they get confidence and they start taking more action or they do action in a different ways, or they get inspired in a different way. Part of what I studied in my um, master's thesis with sports psychology was self-efficacy, you know, that belief in our ability to be able to do something. And it's so linked to the experiences that we have and the past experiences that we can pull from like, okay, mm-hmm. I did this before, or even seeing other people in doing that. So it just is helpful to set ourselves up that way, I think. Mm. Wow. That was a, that was a really, really in-depth um, answer to my question. Thank you so much. That was super, really, really good, actually. Yeah. Good. Because my, now my mind's starting to think, well, maybe I could actually manipulate my personal trainer clients, like workouts slightly so that they really feel like they're achieving <laughs> Um, you know, on those peak periods, no pun intended, within the period cycle, menstrual cycle itself. You almost feel like you almost feel like you're you're tricking them to um, set them up for like they don't know it, or maybe they do, but like you're setting them up for the best time for them to Mm. really do amazing. Mm. No, it's definitely um, definitely. I just sort of casting my mind to think about some of the fertility experts that um, have crossed my path as well because they have to know um, all the ins and outs of their clients um, you know cycle and things like that and uh, so if anyone sort of happens to work in like fertility fitness that's like a match made in heaven isn't it (laughs) because you're doing the right types of movement or exercise whatever um, throughout exactly you know throughout the whole phase of the, the cycle so as you say like weightlifting might be was that day 15? No. Oh, wait a second. Upping the weights about 10, 10, day 10 to 15. Yeah, really probably between days one to 15, I said, but because of the first few days of the period when you're actually menstruating, actively bleeding might not be the best, maybe days, you know, five to 15 in it. And if you have a longer cycle, like it's mm. maybe 33, 34 days, then you might extend that into almost 17, day 18 close to day 20 around when you're ovulating. So it depends. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
And then I'm sort of thinking probably some other um, forms of exercise like yoga and Pilates and core mobility. Um, those sorts of workouts would be more appropriate at different times, wouldn't they? So huh, this is seriously fascinating stuff here. <laughs> they okay. really are. Yeah, because you're wanting to maybe pull that in when you're focusing on more of a recovery focus or more alignment focus. That's actually what I call the luteal phase is uh, the, the main focus of that could be recovery because mm. it's, it's not the time that most people feel like going their hardest, you know, mm. you're starting to wind down and because progesterone's high, you feel like eating more and working out less. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, it's a good time. I, it's almost like you don't want to, it's that, it's that struggle or that tension between, well, I don't want to do nothing. Like I want to move my body. It feels good still. But mm. for me, this started with, you know, my personal journey with this and how do I navigate it? And it, it really helped me to focus on things that maybe I had neglected a little bit. And so if it was a nagging ankle issue or like some tight shoulder muscles or an alignment thing that I knew I wanted to work on, it's more like the, the fine tuning perhaps that you could focus on in that phase. It's all important, right? But sometimes when you're doing other things, those things go by the wayside. So there's all mm. kinds of different ways to get the most out of each phase, I think, and optimize where our body's at and work with it instead of mm. against it. That's the whole point. Mm. Yeah, it's all about alignment. Mm -hmm. Kind of works on both levels there, but <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, that's, yep. It does, yeah. Um, okay. Um, so let's talk about kind of perhaps your top three tips then for women to get started with like moving and working out more optimally in sync with their cycle. What would sort of be the the top three things you could share? Yeah, I love it because they'll those listening will walk away with things they can either put into practice themselves and then take to clients mm. perhaps too. Mm. So first I would say is to know those phases of your cycle and understand what's going on in the body. You know, it doesn't have to be a super specific level of understanding, but as much as you're interested in at least have a basic understanding of the hormone fluctuations and things that are going on, you know, the things that you probably weren't taught in sex ed in school yeah. because mm. we didn't really understand our bodies on that level. Right. So um, that's important because again, you'll work with those rhythms instead of against them. They're happening anyway. So why not understand them? And then once you have more of an understanding of that, then I would say number two is to track what you do for your workouts alongside the days of your cycle. And I go into more detail uh, and have a cycle tracker that's specific for women in my programs. But basically, you really want to look at as much detail as you feel like entering in with your workout, the duration, the sets, things like that that you're doing. I like to also note how I felt and have the person, you know, kind of give maybe a rating for how that workout went so that you can look back and see those patterns too. Mm -hmm. and then tracking that along what day and phase of the cycle that you're in, because then you can start to notice patterns mm -hmm. and see some of the things that we're talking about, but how they actually apply to your body. Because I, you know, some of you out there may be listening and think, well, I've heard generic recommendations before about yep. how to work out in sync with the menstrual cycle. And that's a great starting point, but until you really start to track it yourself or your client starts to track it, it's going to be a little frustrating to try to anchor to that long-term because it's not going to work out that way all the time. It's not so textbook, you know, mm. <laughs> we're not that, we're not that um, routine in that way. At least I have never noticed that myself or with anyone else. So no. it's just important to, 
have that specific understanding. And then mm-hmm. this kind of leans into the third tip, which is to be, be adaptable and make it a habit of reflecting back on what you've noticed in your cycle and make it a habit of like tuning into how you feel before and after the workout so that you can adjust accordingly, you know, mm, like for, for a real practical way. Like if you have a client that shows up and maybe they're really not sure how they're feeling that day, maybe they say, well, I'm, I'm feeling a little tired, but I really want to still do this. Maybe you do the warm up for 10 minutes and then ask them again, how are you feeling? Was that just some sluggishness that you needed to get off from the day of sitting at the computer or like, do you really feel genuinely tired? And if you start to practice that with people, you know, you'll notice that we don't prior to that, we may have really not anchored into how we actually feel. And we may think fatigue is fatigue, but Mm -hmm. when you start to practice it in this way, you start to notice different types of fatigue, whether it is something that you just needed to get moving and kind of work through or whether it truly is like, no, I'm, I'm genuinely tired today. And that's, Mm. I need to take it slower or do less weights or, you know, do a shorter duration. And then you can adjust and you can see, well, this person does really well with, you know, higher reps, lower weights during this phase or when they have these kind of days and maybe, but it's still, the the whole point is you're still being consistent. You're still, you're able to stay on track in a way but mm. you're adapting it so that the person doesn't feel completely deflated. Like they're not doing what they want to do. You know, they showed up to move their body. They showed up to maybe get some kind of therapeutic movement in mm. some way. And so they can still do that. It's just knowing enough about how they can adapt that. And maybe in doing some simple things like checking in after the warm up and, paying attention to, well, what day are you on in your cycle and bringing that up to them so that they know, okay, that's why I'm feeling that way today. And this is just temporary. It's just one of the phases of the cycle and it will change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, they're amazing tips actually. I was then sort of thinking, okay, so if I were a fitness instructor teaching a million classes on Zoom right now, mm-hmm. and I got more in tune with my own cycle, I'd then start kind of manipulating my own workouts like that I'm my own classes that I'm teaching, Mm -hmm. knowing that um, here's the bleed phase. Here's where I could probably go a bit more hardcore with some like high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, as you drop off the the end of the month there, then yeah. Do you you kind of see what I'm saying there? I think that we could use this not just for our own client's perspective, but we could probably actually run our class timetable and um, show up for our clients in a more informed way. And you're saying if the if you knew the individual's uh, cycle at that mm. time, and mm. you were able to match that and come up with, um, yeah, create your workout plans around that, basically, right? Where mm. you ha- you had a client and you started to track over the course of a couple months. Well, here's what day of their cycle they're on, and so then you could plan out. Really, once once you had day one, you could anchor the next four weeks in. Yeah. And kind of have a sense of where you're headed until you mm. start the next cycle again. Is that, mm. is that what you were saying? Am I getting Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I was also sort of thinking as um, personal trainers ourselves, like sometimes oh, we yeah, just don't want to show up, you know? Oh, yeah. Training yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but when we're showing up for like to teach a group um, class on Zoom, mm-hmm. you don't really feel like it. That's when you need that like lesson plan for that mm. phase. And you, do you see what I mean? I got it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm. 
Yeah, because oftentimes you have that in your head too, where you feel like, well, I'm the person that's showing up to lead this. I'm the fitness yeah, I'm like, person. I'm I have to, to do it like... this way, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you totally, I think that would have saved me, Claire. Like that yeah. would have been, if I had known this then when I was training clients in that particular way in person, uh, it would have changed everything for me. And yeah. I would have been able to pass that along to them, but also I would have been in communication with them and and been like, this is where I'm at today, you know, and mm. just to kind of be very open about my own energy and how that might influence their workout and mm. what they were mm. up to, you know, just to let them know and, and maybe set them on a different course that still got them what they needed, but also honored my own cycles because mm. I definitely work that way now too, in my mm. work, in the kinds of activities that I do, like as far as when I record podcasts, like when I schedule interviews, when I write, when I reflect, when I do everything, like I intentionally scheduled our conversation here hmm. for a time that I, you know, was more um, in the first part of my cycle. In other words, I didn't, I intentionally wanted to not schedule it when I was just a few days out from my period or on my period, because those are times when it's like I a big thumbs am, down. <laughs> yeah, I'm more inward. I'm not feeling like talking and sharing a lot. Yeah. And yeah, and so it's intentional. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of got me thinking as well, because in my business, I do a lot of Zooms, but they're mm -hmm. not like exercise Zooms, like my, my my audience teach, right? So there's a lot of like mm -hmm. podcast interviews and group coaching calls and, and mm -hmm. you know business mentoring and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to start experimenting actually with different like you know, weeks in the month, because I definitely feel like, as you say, like hermit <laughs> um, sensations in certain um, uh, weeks or days of the cycle. And then I feel like, yeah, actually, no, I feel like people, okay, I can deal with people now. Um, but then I get too peopled and then I have to unpeople myself because um, I'm naturally an introvert. So yeah, I think actually being a little bit more in tune with your cycle is not just going to help with movement. Because sometimes, like, even if I go for a walk, I'm like, eh, I'll just do three miles, not five. And I've got the option to do that in my business, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I might exactly. actually sort of experiment a bit more with um, turning inward in those days when I don't want to people. <laughs> and then um, see if I can kind of manipulate my, my Zoom schedule a little bit to see if that can kind of help me as well. Hmm, that's really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good that you're already noticing that too, of like when you're your people days versus your more inward days. Yeah. yeah <laughs> have them. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, have you got um, an amazing like success story, happy client story that you could um, share with us? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Just the one. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the first women that I'm thinking of that, that came back to me after she started practicing what I was teaching her and working with was, you know, she wasn't having trouble working out. She's actually uh, a runner, really loves it. And she didn't have trouble going out, but she noticed sometimes that after running in the morning that she was really depleted the rest of the day. Hmm. And it wasn't like an ongoing thing where it was constant, you know, but she noticed during some phases of her cycle that she was. And so after just tuning into this and really understanding her phases, tracking that more, knowing what phase of the cycle that she was in, she started to notice the pattern and she was able to switch it up because it was a frustrating thing for her. You know, as I was kind of saying before, 
that if we have an expectation and then we're not able to meet it, then we get frustrated. Mm. We get down on ourselves. We lack confidence. So it was like once she, what she shared with me is now that I understand this, like I totally get it and I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I can make sure that I do things that don't deplete me the rest of the day for my job. And, you know, I didn't feel good to then not have energy for other things I had to do. But now that I know this, I can adjust accordingly and do what I need to do during certain parts of the cycle. So that's, that's one common thread that I hear a lot, but I was thinking of her in particular as a runner, someone Mm -hmm. who was sort of like hard driven anyway, um, Mm -hmm. but just needing to know when to throttle back a little bit so that it didn't overextend her. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I'm thinking of someone who, you know, another woman who really was like struggling to work out consistently. And she just shared with me how understanding this about herself has made her not so hard on herself because I think she was in that pattern more so the way she described it was that she's struggling to work out consistently. And Mm. so then she was beating herself up for that, you know, like, well, I need to work out. I should be working out all those shoulds and Mm. this is what I need to do sort of thing. So now that she knows this, it not only helped her anchor to something that actually does inspire her to move in a different way. That's more feminine and more cyclical that makes sense to her. She didn't really resonate with a lot of the, you know, go hard and push and that kind of fitness messaging. But this, this approach anchored that, but it also then just gave her understanding as to the fact that it's okay. There's going to be times when you don't feel motivated and you're not a bad person for not feeling that way. (laughs) Mm. Mm. No, I like that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. It's giving me, um, give me a lot of food for thought here, actually. I'm really enjoying this interview and I hope you are as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I always get, I always get ideas as I'm talking too. And it's fun to be talking to, um, to you and those listening, because I'm thinking about it in different ways. I'm often talking to those people who are putting it into practice with themselves, personal mm. work, you know, they're the clients are the, um, the practice, uh, not the practitioner, but it's interesting to think of it from the practitioner standpoint for those of you that are, because it's more getting into where I'm coming from. With mm. this. <laughs> yeah. I just sort of feel like there's yeah. a big puzzle out there and there's pieces of it missing. Mm. And depending on kind of the frequency that you're seeing a personal training client, you know, if it's fortnightly and then like the cycles, 28 days, if it's regular, it's kind of quite possible to sort of overlap between a good phase of the cycle and then a not so good phase, a good phase and then a not so good phase. So yeah, I'm just going off on a bit of a tangent there, but I can definitely see that my listeners are going to find this quite interesting actually. And a month as well, like just sort of going back to what you were saying about um, clients seeing some results and then dropping and then plateauing and then seeing some results and then dropping and then plateauing mm-hmm. because a month isn't that long, but it's long enough for someone to get some sort of like peak in their performance mm-hmm. and then only to lose it <laughs> about a week or so later. So yeah, I, I, you've actually sort of touched on a few times the the word sort of motivation and it's hard to keep your motivation up because of this cyclic, whatever that word is, nature to us as females this is fascinating yeah I think what you're saying it making me think of how it's so important to look at it from a more broad perspective like oftentimes (laughs) we think of maybe even with our clients um, working a plan week to week and you know of course you are looking at it I'm sure from more of a, a meso cycle of like a month or three months or things like that. But I think it's important to even look at the month 
more important than it is the week, because on any given week, if the goal is to get five to six workouts in Mm. on a week where you're menstruating, that is going to be frustrating for someone, you know, that, so if you look at it from the month and you say, well, and I just actually shared this, um, on my Instagram recently was about how, what if we looked at it like in a, in a month, you want to get 12 weight training sessions in. Hmm. and maybe more of those are going to be in certain parts of the cycle. Maybe one week you're actually going to, yeah. you know, three to four, and then another week might only be one or two. And instead of having it be this idea that consistent means that it's the same every week, because hmm. it may be needing to look at that cycle a little more broadly hmm. in a month. Hmm. I'm just going off on another tangent here, but I'm just thinking of my poor audience right now. They're doing millions of Zooms, lots of Zoom classes, and many of them are actually pre-recording workouts mm-hmm. for their clients to then put in like an exercise library, like an on-demand type service. Mm. So if you're listening to this, you have to remind yourself when the best day of your uh, cycle would be to record them. Can you see how that's like really useful? Exactly. Yes. And batch huh. them. Yeah. Just like I do with podcasts, you know, and, yeah. and other, and I, you know, the same, I, um, I don't teach in that way anymore, one-on-one with clients, but every once in a while I will record a uh, sort of a seasonal session to share that includes a workout. And so, yeah, of course I wouldn't record that during a phase of my cycle when I'm not energized myself. No, so thanks. yeah, that's such a good, yeah. such a good tip. Yeah. So yeah, we, we need mm-hmm. to be more in sync. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alrighty. Um, do you, however, sort of wish you'd found your approach sooner? Like, do you have any sort of advice for your pre-tuned in uh, cycle aware self <laughs> when oh, it comes absolutely. to like working out and honoring yourself? Hmm. Yeah, not only from the perspective of working with personal training clients and fitness clients, but from, yeah, for my per- my personal journey as well. Of course, it would have saved me a lot, but it was good to go through that because it also taught me that importance of rest and pausing in life, like to get me into a different perspective of like, oh yeah, there is value in both seasons and all seasons, you know, just like seeing that there's value in winter and summer, Mm. even though you might have a preference for one or the other, it's really easy for us to love that time of the cycle when we feel energized and outward and like doing all the things. And it's maybe more difficult to be more inward. I mean, no, not all of us. Some people Mm. really love that hibernation time as you called it too. But if we find one that we're more inclined to, you know, it's, um, it's nice to still be able to embrace all parts of it. And I think that's, that's just what I would have loved to know sooner because I would have, I I apply it to everything in my life. It's just so liberating to have that understanding and be more graceful with myself and with others that way. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes we sort of take our own knowledge for granted, don't we really? Unless we actually use it. obviously. Like, of course. I can remember like, this is not really relevant, but I remember sort of like uh, having a conversation with a pregnant client, I think it was, and she was like having some um, pelvic pain of some description. And I literally just took it for for granted that I knew how to stretch all of the muscles that insert into the pelvis. But you don't realize that, no, actually, yeah. wait, wait a second, people don't know this stuff. Um, so whatever your niche is, whatever your expertise is, like sometimes it just comes like second nature, whereas this is why we do things like this and, and have these podcast interviews to, regardless of what the level of the, the listener is, they're always going to talk, walk away with something. Mm-hmm. 
And that's exactly it, my friend. I hope you got so much out of this episode. And if you thought of someone who might enjoy it just as much as you did, someone who works in fitness or otherwise, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. You can simply take a screenshot and send it to them. I'm sure they will appreciate it as well. And if you would like the full episode from the Pelvicpreneur podcast and the bonus resources that I have for you, just head to the show notes via the link where you're listening or jennyholbert.com forward slash one, two, three. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up. And until we chat again, go live your one wild life.